back to Mark's Madness Chuckalooza collaboration. Yeah! Yay! Now get it in. The new year. Trick body too, do Sing it. Oh, should I? Should I? Yes! Get it in! And a happy new year. Happy new year. Time's the charm. We're getting it in the episode. Uh, (laughs) Welcome back, everyone, to Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan. My name is David. My name is Shamani, too. And we are going to be continuing our reading of The Red Deal, which we are working on. Uh, and we will be picking up on page 83, uh, getting ready to start area three. But before we do for you, dear listener, it has been, but, uh, but one calendar week since we last came to you, but for us, it's been a hot second. Uh, we have not all been together for about three weeks, which means a lot of shit went down. Uh, things happen. The world turned and, uh, and and bad shit happened, and we have to talk about it now. So, in order to do that, I am going to first say uh, the number one topic uh, I think right now for for all of us is uh, Cop City going down in Atlanta. Um, and for that analysis, I'm going to kick it over to uh, Shugmani to first, uh, and then Shugmani oh, can then okay. pass it to David, and then we can organize from there. Wow, that's different. You really changed that one up on me. Huh? But, uh, <laughs> well, I realized I should kick it to David, but I'm like, they're a forest protector. I'm, I should kick it to Shigmani too. And so then I felt bad. I didn't uh, know who to kick it to. I guess I, you know, I'm only recently getting involved in the forest protecting um, movement, I guess. And I would say it's all one and the same with water protecting, land protectors in general. Like, this is all an interconnected you know, role that anybody can assume so long as they're willing to put their life on the line for the collective good of humanity, in my opinion. Like, um, recently I saw some people on Twitter kind of like, like who and hawing at, you know, climate activism right now. It's like, if you don't think it's doing anything, maybe you should be doing more. Yeah, I... You know, <laughs> I think the thing to remember too, when it comes to climate activism, is it's not the number one thing. Uh, we, we've harped on that. Shigmani, uh, to you, the one that that carried the torch for that a lot here. How is it not the number one thing for people? How is it ever not the number one issue? We're talking human extinction. How is that not your number well, one I, issue? Somebody went. It doesn't matter because life uh, finds a way. You know, not and- a specific <laughs> species. <laughs> <laughs> it's like animal life will not yeah away. it's gonna become like fungus. like thanks jeff goldblum you know, um like fungus it's nice people. if the tardigrades can carry on for another thousand years but i'm worried about a little more than that yeah i'd like to continue on for another thousand years maybe but you know whatever humanity fuck them, right? <laughs> apparently geez. anyway well and what's worse is that person tried to defend it as uh that they were actually combating eco-fascist oh, rhetoric. And then when you looked at like comments and replies, a bunch of people were like, yeah, the earth heals itself. It'll get rid of humanity. And I was like, uh, that's the, you're inspiring the exact, that's the eco-fascism. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, fascism, you know, obviously uh, besides the idea that, Oh, the planet's just going to heal itself. Like, uh, Cops and the military industrial complex represent the highest polluters on the planet. 
the U.S. That is a fact. They are the number one polluter. Abolishing that will do more for the planet than anything else on Earth. So quite literally, the climate struggle is interconnected with the anti-imperialist struggle. When you center your protest and stuff on a climate change perspective through excuse me, through anti-imperialism, it gives an intersectional analysis that with the, using the actual term correctly, you have an intersection of different um, contradictions being hit all at once. So you can hit multiple birds with one stone. Perhaps you've heard that saying. I heard easier to focus the revolution on one thing that encompasses all instead of many different small movements broken up, which has been the government's goal is to break up these many movements. Yeah. And, and anytime you try to, you know, exclude any of the movements, you know, that that's a good way to break it up. And so when you're trying to, you know, exclude, um, you know, climate activism, that that's, that's breaking up for them. Right. Um, because then you go, oh, you know, isn't worker right more encompassing? Well, the workers live in a climate. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. Well, and that's, that's the thing is it's, it's just like sort of ass, like it's totally removed from reality. It feels like, and I don't know, like if that's just cause these people don't have like real jobs or don't go outside yeah. or something, but like, remember folks, I feel like most people gives a shit about humanity dying. Remember, folks, if you believe yourself to be a Marxist, you believe yourself to be materialist. Materialism means from evidence, not from ideas. So, you know, you better follow, and we'll get more into that later, but you better follow the evidence, and the evidence is saying that we can't go, there's no revolution if we go extinct. I'm sorry, there's just, there's not. And the evidence is to say that climate change is happening, and very little is going to stop it, and it can be stopped by the end to the military and prison industrial complex. And this is, this is, you know, a, a very acute um, uh, instance of that, right? Just like water protection is an acute instance. The forest protection isn't in this case, it's going to put up. Um, and we were talking about this before we hopped on. So we want to make sure we get into this with, with everyone. This is not just like a regular police training center. That would be bad enough to knock over, you know, this forest for that. That would be bad enough to displace, you know, uh, houseless people for that. This is to put up a faux city. Instead of housing these people, it, you, you knock over the forest, put up a faux city just to train police in urban warfare. And this is not just Atlanta that will be trained there. You know, the whole country will be trained there. There will be international forces that come in and train there. Well, yeah, just they'll like bring the IDF yep, soldiers. Yep, just like we send cops over to the IDF. The there. IDF will come here. Uh, yeah. Other, you know, I mean, a- any CIA stooge. Police forces will come here at any of it. Right. And the reason being, as we've talked about, they, you know, when they talk about 2050 climate change goals and it's a national security issue, that's what building Trump's wall is. That's what the cameras are. That's what this cop training facility is. Right. When people inevitably run out of food and because that's what causes migration and panic and uprising more than anything is food insecurity. We talked about that, you know, when people migrate, right, they don't migrate just for economic opportunity or because of an idea. They typically migrate out of food insecurity because it's very, very hard to move. It takes an immense amount of desperation. Uprisings inevitably happen the same way, right? And how effective they are is usually how organized they are and how much force they come up against. And 
just in case they wind up a little organized, because they definitely will be desperate. Uh, they're securing these things and getting these cop training centers for urban warfare. They're, you know, cops are troops, and SWAT has made that more true than ever, right? But well, they're the occupational mm-hmm. force. Yeah, right? I mean, even long before SWAT, even when they were first budding, they were the occupational force, right? They were the they were the sheriffs to to you know take out in, indigenous people and, and go on the Western Front. They were the slave catchers. Well, I mean, even today in you know, urban centers, when uh, you look at the PTSD black communities are facing, it's the mm-hmm. same sort of things going on in Afghanistan. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, you, you people, you know, kicking in door no-knock raids. I mean, that that's very much, you know, war zone tactics, right? Tear gas is war zone tactics. I mean, th- this is, is what happens. in. We say we're not in a war zone. We're, we're in a war zone, right? Um, because we are occupied, it's fucking class. Yeah, war. we were occupied. We were occupied by class troops, class troops that were first trained as the colonial troops and very much hold up that colonization. Um, well, and people need to realize colonization, the colonial people are a class in this mm-hmm. country. You know, you as the colonizer are another class, but now we can separate the colonizer into exploiter and exploited colonizer. See how that mm-hmm. goes? You know, it's very simple. And before you go, immigrants it's like well there's arrivance now but you gotta like jump back before you know we started letting non-white people immigrate into the country basically yeah there's a difference between a a displaced migrant migrant or refugee and a settler and and immigrant kind of blocks it all together yeah, and that's the point, is it's supposed to. And that's like when we're, they're it's like authoritarian. always harping on illegal immigrants. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, let's start sending back Wilhelm Rudelsdorf, the <laughs> Nazi who's never had a visa. Cop City. So. What happens is, is just recently, uh, a forest defender was murdered by the mm-hmm. cops. Yeah. Um, Tortuguita was the forest defender. Tortuguita, which... It means little. Turtle, yeah, right? yeah. So, I believe so. the yeah, yeah le- legal name Manuel Turan uh, Tortuguita is uh, the name they went by, and uh, they were a forest defender that you know was was slaughtered by cops and supposedly shot first. And first off, cops lie. Bullshit. No, <laughs> right. Well, even in, even then, itself. Yeah, like who cares? Like, if it was you've, true, who you've cares? Created an environment. You've created an environment of violence. You, you, they're on constant threat. You're, you're, you're threatening them every single day. And then all of a sudden there's cops with guns pointed at somebody. I'd shoot first too. Yeah. That's self-defense. It's, it, it's, and it's tied up in another one that I think we will talk about, even though I said we wouldn't, but I have the whole story up and now I'm kind of convinced these are all intertwined. Um, because because I've got my red twine out, guys. I've got it out today. I'm, yeah, we. I'm putting the board together. I'm paranoid about it. I think there's like been like an order from like fascist international that's like well, it's time accelerate. Well, that, something feels something feels wrong. Yeah, well, we'll hold on, hold on one second with that because we're hold we're getting on. there. But and obviously, you know, major content warning is going to be a lot of talk of police brutality, in very specific instances because this is current events and this is what is happening. Yeah, if you can yeah. tell. It's also, but. content warning, uh, this episode may be all current events. <laughs> Just bear with the possibility. Oh, bear with the possibility that that could happen, gang. I'm not making promises one way or another, yeah. but I, this is the official warning from Nathan. We have a lot to cover. We took the wrong uh, three weeks off. I think it's all very important. 
We're actually going to go back to part one, <laughs> divest and end the occupation. <laughs> to go over how I'm... Um, we're going to reread it, not make you go back and re-listen to the episodes. No, we're rereading it because we have new context. Now, um, uh, one thing... We're going to find a way to make this book go on infinitely. Yes. Now, before we go into the other interlock-specific instances of police brutality that have, have popped up, um, obviously we brought up, you know, Tortuguita's um, being killed, and that's the word I, I think of death. I couldn't think of the word killings. Police killings have been, like, record-breaking. They were up at record levels this last year. Right. This is the year, the first full year after the, or no, the second full year after the George Floyd, George Floyd protest uh, was 2022. I think they're up in 2021 as well. So, you know, police shootings go up after after COVID shutdowns um, open back up. Like everything needs to open back up, and now the cops are just shooting everybody. Um, but this is their their payback for you know. George, I mean, let's let's face it, right? This is what happens when you when you fight for yourself. There will be backlash, and in the end, because again, we are just fighting for our lives. We're we're not just cheerleading things of of some idea of of revolution. Revolution is for survival, and you have to understand that in revolution, when you're gaining momentum, you too die less, right? But when when you're facing backlash, that that's going to spike. And so you have to keep the momentum going as best you can again to save your lives because otherwise they're going to come down harder, right? It's the, the vengeance arc, the I'll show you, I'll put you back in your place arc. And very much. I, I think cops are, are feeling that. And as it gets farther away from the George Floyd, George Floyd protests, I think they are feeling more secure that they can get away with it again. Not that they ever stopped getting away with it, but you know there was a social idea of it, and I think they're getting more say, open and vengeful. Well, th- this is going to be like you know a blowback season, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's And then also, you know, the amount of stuff you're dealing with is that you have this huge actual blowback from the military-industrial complex. That's warfare. I mean, these are like assassinations. Happening. Yeah, and you also have strengthening yeah, no, exactly. of, of fascist momentum in the country, as is as well, right? You know, I mean, they're recruiting more people as like Elon Musk well, gives them. There more was just the largest and, mass yeah. shooting for the Lunar New Year in San Francisco, in Monterey. Yeah. yeah, Monterey, Monterey California. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ten people. And I think the, ten people reported shot. Uh, not a lot of details mm-hmm. on that yet. No one's really reporting on it. It's all coming from just people on the ground. Um, nothing, nothing big. But yeah, yeah. At this point, ten, ten people dead from what I've what I've gathered. Yeah. So well, yeah. And so you have tar- you have massive targeting of Asian communities now by white supremacists, trans communities. I mean, there's like an act of genocide going on of trans people as well. You know, like th- this. This is Germany. This is fascist Germany. It is happening right now. And you have a, there is a choice. It is socialism or extinction now. It is no longer barbarism. It is socialism or extinction. And it's indigenous and black led socialism or extinction. Otherwise, it's just not going to turn out good. It's not. And and not to hammer. Not to hammer too fine a point on this is Nazi Germany, um, and I don't like using that comparison when it's not apt. Uh, I don't like using it flippantly, and I don't think anyone here is. And I, I think often we do need to remember, um, too, that, like, camps. yeah, Nazi Germany was more like this, but then there was the Holocaust just rapidly expanded during the wartime. 
And, well, and that's what's going to happen. Exactly. I mean, Ukraine is getting more expensive. We just sent a buttload of tanks over there. You know, we're not looking at stepping away anytime soon. We're putting massive investments into that war. Yeah. You know, as the co- economy is tumbling, you know, you have a rising house market again. Uh, Freaking the healthcare system is on the brink of collapse. <laughs> yeah, everything's set up for 08, but worse. You know, and so. You know, we might have stepped out of Iraq and Afghanistan, but what did we do? We went right into Ukraine, which is well. Let's more. let's be real too. Like one of two things are happening: either the the economy is going to crash, or the idea of an economic crash is going to be put forth purposely by the ruling class to kind of take back the gains that were happening um, during COVID when people had payouts and, and salaries were rising, and they're going to do a lot of mass layoffs and and replacement of jobs and replaceability. That's why you're seeing a big spike in, in AI. And if the second one is happening, you're still going to see a, a rash of uprising. So things are going to come to a head one way or another, either the economic cycle coming to a bust or the economic cycle having having a little bit of a falter and, uh, you know, capitalists making it look like a bust for their own gain to crush smaller competitions and, and workers' rights and, you know, take back lower salaries, essentially. Um, and whatever happens, there's going to be a mess of social unrest and turmoil. Yeah. And speaking again, just kind of hammering the Nazi Germany point a little bit harder. Uh, did you guys, did you both see the, uh, the, the news out of turf Island? I, I'm not sure which news because that's an entire country. Uh, yeah, uh, well, Turf Island, and I went, yeah. Huh? no, yeah, no, we, yeah, I know they were blocking, they, they, they were probably going to flare up Scottish independence, um, uh, feelings because Scotland like voted, it was like 70 or, or 80%. It was fantastic to see to protect trans rights. And then, uh, England went, no, fuck that trans people don't get rights. Cause we said so. And in a count and in a protest around that movement and around uh, the gender critical movement in general, uh, a bunch of protesters came out uh, and and all the reporters were there. It was a good time. Okay, lady gets on microphone at a large protest. Quoting Hitler. I saw this and no one went like, "Uh oh, what the fuck? No one stopped her. No one shut her down. No one questioned her. She literally said, you know, they're telling us the big lie. And you know who taught us about the big lie and who saw the big lie? It was Adolf Hitler. Like, she didn't accidentally quote Hitler. She didn't oops-a-daisy quote Hitler. She, like, cited Hitler as an enviable model. Yeah. And no one in the group that was with her decided that that was the time to call yeah. him. It just. Well, you got to remember you... back. Oh, go on. No, no. I, I'm just saying the, they, this is not slow burn. They're, they're, no. the, the dog whistles are gone. The mask is gone. The mask is burning on the side of the road somewhere a hundred yards away. They are outright saying what they want to do and what they will do if given the fucking opportunity. Mm-hmm. Believe them when they tell you who they are. Yeah, it's that simple. I mean, it. Uh, uh, indigenous people have been saying this shit forever because they've been saying very openly about us that we are a problem that needs a final solution before 
Hitler ever said those words. The U.S. was saying them. That's where he got them, actually. So, this is the natural progression of the country. This is why it's not revolutionary. It never has been, and it has always maintained a position specifically to put down slave revolts and the unruly indigenous, well, Indian savage at their borders. Yeah. Like the Second Amendment's to arm yourself against indigenous and slaves. Yeah. That's that's what it's for. Yeah. Anybody who goes, oh, it's so you can protect yourself from tyrants, you're basically making a state's rights argument. You're protecting yourself from tyrants for what? To continue enslaving and genociding people. Yeah. And that that's- was... So... Again, just just and this was sort of a diversion, so I I do want to circle back and make sure we close the loop on uh on the killing of Tortuguita and and kind of everything going on with Cop City. I think we've kind of hit that nail on the head that this is but there is going to be there is going to be unrest because of this. There is there is absolutely Well, there is unrest. They set a car on fire. Exactly. Well, they set a car on fire and they did like broke glass and damaged a Wells Fargo, which did did you see the high-ranking ADL person? I forget what their name was, who it was, but someone in the ADL. And the ADL is, they do some good work on like, oh, this is what Nazi symbols are, but they do all that so they can equate it all to not supporting Israel. It's it's just a, a Zionist lobby, right? Um, not as big as APAC, but almost as big. And they, they, they look like a nonprofit think tank against bigotry, but they, they twist the highest bigotry is, you know, humanizing Palestinians, apparently. Well, one of them that that was like has mentioned before that they are happy to work with cops and and things like that um, was calling the uprisings violent. Said you know the uprisings and this is what the newspapers are running with too. Like uprisings turn violent because apparently like killing uh, Tortuguita is not violent, but lighting a car on fire very violent, I guess. Um, and people are like it's property, and they responded with, well, you know. If someone like burns down an abortion clinic, that is that not violent? And it's like, well, because you're destroying access to health care, asshole. Yeah, and it's the same. And I've seen that argument. I saw someone make the make the point, and it was I was interested by it. And I'm interested in what you you both think. But they were saying not to diminish the idea that property damage is not violent in and of itself, on the basis of. Would we not say that Israeli settlers going in and bulldozing houses in the West Bank or Gaza? I mean, that's property damage. That's violence. Okay, but 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 the, okay. Same thing with you know any anything that can be considered violence. It's it's a matter of do you have the liberal blanket idea of it? In which case, Thank you. that's never going to work out because yes. at some point, at some point, you're going to need to use it, and you're excusing it. So you're just using that blanket when it's convenient. Or you're going to have to look at like the material impact of that, how that matters, right? Like you go and power dynamics determine violence. Yeah, you you what is violent. you destroy someone's home, you destroy someone's you know religious um uh, insta- or religious place of worship, uh, you destroy a healthcare clinic, you know, you destroy a school. Um, that's that's violent. That's you know upheaving people, you know, in a in a fashion that that can destroy their lives. You break a window at a business. You light a cop car on fire. Who fucking cares, right? Who is that hurting? 
I mean, that that's the question is, right? It's the, the reason property damage is violence is because it eventually hurts people. So the, the reason to worry about violence is people and even violence that hurts people. You need to ask, you know, is that is that causing harm or preventing more harm? Right. You know, warfare. If you're if someone invades your country and you're defending yourself. You're, you're going to kill some of the people invading your country if you're defending yourself. Does that make you the violent person or is that defense, right? I mean, there's always there's always an issue of defense. Uh, but, but when you're damaging property, it's a matter of like, what are the ends where they're hurting someone? The violence is where that impacts lives. What is the violent impact on lives? And that is where things are different. Yep. And... Speaking of the violent impact on lives that the (laughs) occupying police force of this country tends to have, um, moving on to another example of police brutality ending in the death of a what what at this point I can only assume is an innocent person because they've brought nothing against them. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Memphis Police Department just fired five cops. Uh, in in the wake of a a death, but in this case, this was uh, what appears to be a physical beating of a man to death. He died three days later in the hospital. Uh, but Tyree Nichols was stopped apparently for quote unquote reckless driving, which everyone in their mother knows is a catch all for uh you were driving black, um. Now it, it happened. I mean, just again, any excuse to search, any excuse for for unwarranted search and seizure. That's that is the cops' mo. Um, and during the traffic stop, the man uh, apparently fled. The w- officers were plain clothes; they were not uniformed officers or anything of that of that nature. They ran. He stopped them, and they beat him to death. And the cops aren't even debating this. They're basically they fired him for use of excessive force. The interesting thing and the thing that that a lot of activists and and what apparently sounds like the city of Memphis itself is kind of bracing for is this all happened before any of the footage was released. We all have seen these incidents go down. This has become almost unbearably routine at this point for this show. Um, For this country. For this country, for 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 anyone that has to live through this on a day to day basis, um, but so rarely, so often in those cases, all of the consequences, whatever they may be, as simple as being fired, all the way up to to do we actually get justice in the form of some sort of criminal prosecution, um, all of those cases. It happens after the video gets released and there's public backlash and there's riots in the street. There's blood on the streets um, and and things are burning. Then someone gets fired. Then someone gets arrested. The fact that they did it before any of that happened is worrisome in and of itself because what the fuck is on that video? Yeah. That is going to show up because it is going to be gruesome because this there are photos of of this uh, of the man intubated and they are brutal they are gra- i mean the man's nose is obviously broken in a number of different places his face is swollen beyond recognition it is it is there is blood on his intubation tube in his bed it is grotesque yeah let's what they did to this let's man. be very clear like every 
instance of police brutality against uh, a person of color, you know, uh, a black person, indigenous person, um, whatever is, is a lynching, right? Yeah. This one is very clearly nakedly a lynching, you know, Um, it is, it is grotesque. It is troubling. And there's not, you know, there's not much we can do for the fact that, that Tyree had to, go through that at the, at the end of their life, but we can at least fight for justice because holy fuck. And every time we, yes. we fight for justice, you know, you got to remember too, that, that this is like companies doing that. Uh, uh, we're like BP, you know, the environmentalist thing or whatever co- corporate activism, you know, it's, it's for PR and it's just enough to get the PR done. So the only way to get anything done is to hold their feet to the fire during and after the process of getting that that PR out there, um, that way they uphold it because there's there's you know nothing else you can do, and eventually we're going to have to change holding their feet to the fire to building the fire and burning the shit down and taking shit over because that a, a complete abolition of the entire system is the only solution. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and with that, I think we've we've really kind of hammered home the the full as much as we can the breath of scope there are there have been a few other instances that have happened but there's still a little less detail on them uh than i would like so we're going to hold off on those and if we get more information we'll obviously bring those up uh in in subsequent weeks um but just cops in this country are a are a terrorist organization they're a gang they're organized they have solidarity within their ranks and they have a massive propaganda campaign behind them that has half or more of the country convinced that they're white knights doing the world's justice. And, and their their funding is skyrocketing as much as, as the military budget, um, while Biden mm-hmm. screams fund the police and any opponent that goes up to him is going to be the most pro-cop thing in human history. Yeah. Yeah. Um they're building they're building, you know, entire cities to be trading facilities for urban warfare. They're they they are a force to attack us and and it doesn't matter how competent or incompetent, they throw tons of money at the problem and don't care about your life. Competence doesn't no. fucking matter. So it's nice to sneer your nose when, when cops are dumb. We all get a chuckle. But uh, no. Like they're a threat. They're a fucking threat. Yeah. They're an active threat and they are in your neighborhood i can guarantee you um a brief a thing we don't normally do but i'd be curious and i'm putting you on the spot so if you don't have it don't worry about it um if if people want to do more on their own uh reading about abolition and stuff like that considering we just did a full half an hour on kind of the the existential threat that is there um, is there anything that either of you two find to be easy recommends for people that are that are searching for that? Well, you can jump back in the podcast, <laughs> and we've read a nice section about it. Yes. That's a pretty good start. Uh, Race, is- Women, Class uh, by Angela Davis, and then Our Prisons Obsolete. I like to read together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also want to throw Just in like uh, Golden like- Gulag by Ruth Wilson Gilmore is is really really good i've never read that oh it's 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 an excellent work it's kind of along the lines of of like our prisons obsolete it's in that that neighborhood of abolitionist work also really you know um george yeah i feel like is a yeah solo dad yeah you know that's a good one um i mean there's a lot of different it kind of depends on what 
like it's it's one of those things where it's like are you looking for like applied examples of abolition or are you looking for actual theoretical works of abolition in which case it's you can see like how in Indigenous liberation works within prisons, within AIM uh, biographies a lot of times. So like Clyde Bell, I would argue that uh, Indigenous, like Native American studies as a subject starts in the prison system rather than uh, with Lenata Means in Berkeley. And instead it's Clyde Bellacourt and Eddie Benton Benet, uh, two Anishinaabe men who met each other in boarding school and later would meet up again in prison. Uh, that's nice. Yeah. Huh? What is the fuck is that? That's what are the odds? And then they would start like a cultural group that would eventually, to this day, allow us to do sweat lodges while in prison. Jeez. And the fact that we're allowed to superheat rocks and put them in an enclosed tent that the guards can't see in is a little. <laughs> that's liberatory yeah. i mean that's yeah a lot of freedom in yeah. prison you know and like the power to make those gains came from a lot of prison organizing and a lot of organizing on the outside as well and it's just there's a lot of history there that's hard to communicate to people because there's a lot of layers that are hard to get into you know like yeah. uh, well the same prison clyde bellacord and edin and benet are at dennis banks ends up going to and then Dennis Banks gets a huge push in his culture and then leaves and starts organizing on the outside before Clyde gets out. Clyde gets out and then Clyde pushes Dennis's group to be more radical. It's super interesting. Um, Absolutely. And that's the day they form uh, AIM uh, Patrol, the Red Car Patrol, where um, they would go and film police that at nine o'clock every single day would go down to the like Indian bars and... Uh, they would park a van in the back and then go in just beating everybody who's native out of the fucking bar into the van, lock them up, bring them to the jail for the weekend and make them like clean up parks on the weekend and shit. Basically. And I, I mean like literally the words said are natives like to, they want the earth to stay clean. Well, might as well help. Jeez. Yeah, and like these people, I mean, you think about it, it's nine o'clock. How many of these people are drunk? You know, there was no tests. Everybody was arrested on drunk and disorderly. You could have just gotten there. You know, nine o'clock is when everybody's getting there. That's the best time to come in because you'll get the most labor. (laughs) You know, so that's like one of those big examples that I try to bring up because, I mean, that's Minneapolis. I George Floyd happens in Minneapolis for a reason and aim is some of the first examples of organizing against it, you know? So that's like, that's something communists should know and learn from if fucking libs can do it. Radical liberals can do it. We can do it. I believe in us. Maybe not anymore, but I liked I like <laughs> to believe in us. I like to believe yeah. in us. Um I, I also um as far as stuff that's that's on my reading list that I haven't gotten to, if you want uh contemporary stuff, because there's a couple of, of authors out there who are abolitionists who um and, and activists, of course, uh whose broad work I'm I'm familiar with but I haven't read their works. They're they're on my to get to list. Um I okay. I was I've been looking at like Miriam Kaba does uh we do this till they free us, um, which is supposed to be a guide to, to abolitionist organizing. 
Um, and I know uh, there's uh, a couple abolitionist works by Derricka Purnell, um, who does the, uh, um, the the children's books program, um, and and has been an abolitionist organizer for a long time. So there's a couple things you can do. You can look for you know works by. Obviously, you know, there's there's Angela Davis and Ruth Wilson Gilmore, but also, you know, Derricka Purnell, Mariam Kaba, um, things along that line, too. Very good. Thank you. And then you can also go into yeah the Prison of Grass, which is by uh, Howard Ooh. Adams. Um, I have PDFs if you want to send me an email. Bands of Turtle Island at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> Early sneak of the plugs. But uh, yeah, right. Literally, uh, <laughs> but basically, it goes into like sort of the open air prisons that reservations and reserves, are, well, mostly reserves, represented in Canada. It's about a Canadian perspective, but it goes into a lot more than that and has a lot more context that's important to what abolition means in Indigenous context, which is a lot of what I like to focus on as well as there's red nation rising border town violence in America, which provides a glossary of terms and such to help uh, better understand uh, indigenous terminology, I guess, from a Marxist conception, or at least, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say Marxist Leninist, but we'll say Marxist perspective. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there's like a lot of good speakers, like from, Back in the day, like if you just start like looking up prison speeches and stuff from people, uh, Leonard Peltier has a bunch of in a book. I mean, a lot of people have prison notebooks that are like you can learn a lot about why abolition is important when you go, oh wow, these people were treated like shit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Well, on that, we are going to close out the section on uh, police in America. In the and year of our Lord, twenty twenty three, and we're going to move south to to Lima because, unfortunately, the news does not get police any more positive this US week. Embassies, like yes. we mentioned earlier, we kind of set this all up nicely. Yes, good job. Yeah, <laughs> forethought up top. High fives all around. Nobody saw that, but it was lame. nobody saw it. But I felt good it about was, it. I, I, yeah, it I was an too. internet high five, and it wasn't a doopy uh, outline. It was actual hands. <laughs> Yep. Hands up. Um, so moving on to Peru, uh, Shugmani Two, do you want to lead this this section off? Oh well, uh, what fifty people now? 50 yeah, I think people? it's the number keeps going, and I think it's kind of arbitrary to keep count. But it's um, important to know, you know. that the 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 um, scale of it. I think, but yeah, it, as far as like, is it fifty well, or know, sixty? 50, I think it's like it's yeah. way too fucking many. After fifty, it's like yeah. okay, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot of people being murdered by police, so we're just going to say that. But uh, they actually have a wall in Lima, Peru, too, to keep out migrants and stuff. And that's stuff that's encouraged by the U.S. in order to deter. Like, basically, it's like these systems of walls. <laughs> it's really fucked up. And, of course, they have their own designated undesirables that they like to keep out. And, uh, you know, because they're settler colonies, too. You know, like... Um, there's this person, I don't know if he listens to this podcast, but I hope he does, uh, Rusty on fucking Twitter that keeps mentioning this Chicano nationalist project that wants to make an ethno state. And, 
it's like it doesn't matter if settlers are being oppressed by other settlers they don't get their own nation because of it you need to stop the oppression you know you, they don't need their own nation to stop the oppression they need like you give indigenous people here self-determination because fucking it's our land and you give black people it because fucking they weren't they didn't come here by choice Okay, settlers is a whole other – it's time to assimilate. Yeah, the the national question basically comes to do people have connection to the land? Have they faced oppression as a result of imperialism? And do they need self-determination to liberate from that imperialism and oppression? That's that's the a quick and dirty national question. There's a little more to it if you want to jump in. But even like – I mean that that's well, – There's a ton more to it and that's only getting – Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's, that's scratching the surface of just the, of just the understanding at Stalin – and uh, obviously we've you know progressed since then um you know we've we've had much more theory many more perspectives on top of that but basically like if there's no tie to a land and there's no oppression what who cares about your fucking national question that's not the national questions we're trying to answer like i feel like chicano nationalists will stop being oppressed when the us as an idea is stopped and the reactionary settler project is put to an end by a revolutionary force by force, you know, cause they're a class that specifically serves bourgeois backwardness. It, it's kind of difficult to oppose America when you think a, a subset, the colonizers and a subset colony of an empire need to break off for their own independence and see that they're, ethno nationalism that's like texas shit that's like declaration of independence 1776 shit well okay but that's where texas okay got it. I mean, <laughs> that's that oh gee why did texas texas was like yeah we actually broke off to maintain slavery when the u.s was finally like oh okay. yeah gosh not everybody can have it and even like it's just it's so fucked. Like Oklahoma, that whole panhandle shit is just so Texas can keep slavery when they join the U.S. Mm-hmm. again. And it, what? Where is the revolution? I don't know. It's just fucked. So, um, yeah, Lima, Peru has a bunch of people coming to it. They've organized caravans because of the la- like they were coming in just like smaller caravans, but due to police repression, they now have to come in as large numbers as they can. It's a similar strategy that happened in Bolivia uh, when uh, Yanin and Yaz's uh, coup government uh, attempted to take control of Bolivia for uh, the lithium deposits on behalf of Elon Musk, according to his Twitter. <laughs> oh, he according like to, to think- Twitter that he owns. Yeah, yeah. He would like Damn, to think he owns it was for him. him. Man, I hope it wasn't. No, he it, it was for him. That's, Are you kidding? It has to be, but it's just yeah. such, of, of all the people for it to well, be. Well, it's not. For, it's not like, for just that, him, but it's there's always a biggest voice in the room. He I was mean, the biggest the voice one. in the room there. He's the one with the most money and has already has the means of producing and, and, it. I mean, of course, for mm-hmm. and that was the specific natural resource he really needed. But well, uh, and I mean, but even the richest one that. Volkswagen still won out. Volkswagen's still getting access to the lithium. Yeah. So it's like good old Sochdems. <laughs> like, I mean, I like Bolivia a lot, but like we could be doing a lot better. Yeah. yeah just, it, and I mean, like, I get the whole thing is like they want to have like this easement and like 
cooperate. They don't want war, you know, because they're socialists and they actually think that the U.S. will, you know, uphold its ideals. Well, yeah, let, let, let's it's clarify. Safe. Other than fascists, nobody. Other than fascists, nobody wants war. We. We understand the necessity of it better than social does, but war is a meat grinder. Like you, you know, you can think like I'm better. I'm I'm going to do it right. I'm going to go in there, and, and how good I do, and how smart I am, and is is going to determine. What, and no, you're just you're throwing people into a blender, and some of them pop out alive. Right? That's a war. It's fucking gruesome and horrible. We don't want it, but we recognize that we were already in a war, and we were already dying. And if we try to fight it with electoralism, we will just die more and lose that war. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like imagine trying to debate people from the other, you know, from across no man's land, from trench to trench in World War One. <laughs> That's basically what you're doing. <laughs> what if you let us dig five feet that way? We let you dig three feet this way. I'm just imagining <laughs> a bunch of Ben Shapiro's in a foxhole just we, trying to out with facts and logic. We, we took a poll in your trench and our trench, and 70% of people don't want you to shoot us, so you don't get to shoot us. Yeah, that's – we took the poll. But, yeah, I, I mean, like literally uh, I had a Pat Soshko – Fifty-three percent of Americans have positive views to the flag. How are you going to counterreact that as a as a revolutionary? And I'm like, seventy percent of the country has unfavorable views to communism. I have a, a lot of work ahead of me. That's not the flag. Revolution is not about the easy mo- the easy road where you don't change any minds. I don't. What revolution? is there to be easy and not change minds. Well, like literally if you're not trying to change the society in its entirety, you're fucking only asking for surface modification. Well, and most, most people's viewpoints will, will sway and and basically blow in the wind. Most people are followers. Let's be real. And humans are wired to be right. You know, we've talked about an evolutionary stance, right? It's, I think it's actually called a fourth trimester theory, but it's really, really common in science been since the eighties. But the the idea is like we're made to be social animals. Our brains, you know, for us to have instincts, our brains would have to be so big that we would kill mothers and never be able to be born. So we're social animals. We're followers, right? Oh, yeah. It's a thing that's been in science for like 40 years. Like larger, smarter animals. So like me to you, like me to you, if my brain is physically larger, it doesn't mean I'm smaller or smarter. But as a species, right? As a species, if human brains are larger than like dog brains, we have the capacity to be smarter. So we're smarter as a species, right? So for a species to be smarter, its brains have to get bigger. But once they get so big, then like a mother can't birth you without dying. Like it, it, it just it would take too much evolution to to physically I, handle. I that. pictured you were like Stewie from Family Guy. Right, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, like the Arnold head coming out of there. It would be like you 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 kill him up. No, 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 no. I meant like you know how Stewie tries to kill. Oh him no, yeah, that's what I picture. Oh no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Not like no, no. The braids. But I see how that was another. The braids bad would be the braids would be too big and it would kill the mother. And that's why all high intelligence animals, you know, dolphins, orcas, humans, things like that, are of course pack hunters, but also are, are social animals because we have to be born with less instincts and then learn. And because of that, you have an immense amount of trust in authority. You know, when people go, "Oh, you're all just dumb." Shit. Well, no, I mean, that's that's how humans work, right? That's why humans fall for propaganda so easily. That's why we have advertisements all over the fucking TV. People want to think what you're supposed to think because that's a natural – that's one of the few survival instincts we have, right? 
is is follow the crowd. And so, of course, most people in a society will be like, yeah, I have favorable views of the society. It's got to be really shitty for you to have unfavorable views of the society. The fact that that 20 something percent of people uh, identify as Democrat and 20 something percent identify as Republican and 40 something percent identify as independent in a country where most people's political imagination is the two parties exist and that is left and right and nothing else tells you something is deeply fucked here, right? And even with that, most people... After you murder most of the radicals yeah. over hundreds of years, literally, uh-huh. you're going to be left with a pretty reactionary Exactly, state. exactly. And and so, you know, so of course most people are going to, to follow. And, and you get the same thing, you know, if we flipped around and we're, you know... The land was returned back and we were some kind of large wound up being some large coalition country like like a lot of people think, you know, made up of of indigenous nations, New Africa, whatever, and we're communists. And most people believed in in communism, like people would flip to believing in communism, believing in in that and believing in the flags and the representation. And there would also still probably be a small percent that was white supremacist and fascist and they would – be too scared to speak up about it and that would help contain that idea that's what happened in a lot of the fall of the eastern Bloc. those fascists were there the whole time and they were being brewed and backed in gladio and 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 u.s backed shit right and that's how they rose up but for the most part they didn't have any power and they weren't a very big current because people were just happily under the communism and until you know uh, those fascists were able to organize and rally, and we have to kind of go the other direction, the same as any other revolution. We have to organize and rally and bring people to our ideas and, and find our way to power. And the people, a huge chunk of people that are just kind of following whatever is popular will follow. That's that's how it goes. That's how most people are. And we should look at that with with shame in a way that changes that, but not with shame in a way that like judges people individually for being normal human beings, you know? Exactly. And that being said... Wait, 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 wait. wait. One more news item. One more news item! It's going to segue perfect. Hit it. So, uh, obviously, another big theme of the book is climate disaster. And we have some climate disaster news for you. Besides whatever else is going in the world, what I was looking at this week is in California, there's been... Some major flooding, uh, specifically in Ohlone territory, but that's where I've been looking uh, mostly. But all across, like, central California, there's been a lot of flooding that's, I mean, fundamentally, like, ended droughts in some places. Holy shit. So, like, (laughs) that's a lot of water to dump on California at once. So it's kind of needed, but it, like, destroyed a bunch of farmland, of course. Uh, You know, that was terrible for uh, houseless people, you know, like. uh, So there's a lot of help that's needed that way. Um, uh, Not to mention it's cold afterwards, right? So coats is another issue again. Uh, luckily it's warmer out there so they can get away with lighter coats. I'd assume, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of like, a tragedy involved in the situation, but on the one bright side, I'd say is that succulents are returning to the area, like natural succulents after the destruction of non-indigenous invasive plants. So was, that's like, Whoa. That's good. Yeah. It's weird how nature works. That's like fucking, you know, if I was like, man, we shouldn't do anything about that because succulents are coming back. 
that'd be the equivalent to that one dude we mentioned earlier. But instead, we are doing something. So that brings us to the end of the episode, like Nathan wanted to do. And plugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing a soup kitchen and hygiene drive uh, in partnership with an Ohlone, uh comrade uh, named Isaac Jasper, who runs the Indigenous Nightmare podcast. Uh, he's joining the Chunkaluta project or network, whatever we're calling ourselves. We'll figure it out eventually. Uh and we're fundraising uh, $7,000 to go, well, bring a bunch of people out there, like hopefully like 15 or so comrades to fucking go out there and help out fucking where we can. And, um, you know, we're aware of a lot of different houseless encampments. That way there's, of course, People's Park and stuff like that. There's a bunch of different projects in the area that we wanted to get involved with that uh, obviously we don't want to mention online too much. Uh, People's Park is a much more public one that. I don't mind saying, um, but you know, there's these houseless encampments that need help. Like if you're looking at where communists could really, you know, stress the contradictions going in and protecting houseless encampments while being armed is probably going to do a lot more. The only issue is, People like to play cop. <laughs> Why people like to play cop once they have a gun and they're, you know, standing guard and stuff like a dispute happens. Like you need to not turn into a cop. Like at freaking uh what was it? Freaking Chaz. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of the patrol shooting at shit. And it's just like maybe dial it back on the trigger finger, you know, like that's my only worry telling people to do that, but it's true. We need armed people at these encampments protecting them from the cops. I mean, what else is going to deter the cops? No, I, I don't, I, I at don't this know. Point, I don't know. You know, they go in and they sweep, they destroy people's homes and livelihoods. And that's all they have, which is really sad. They're putting up shanty homes now for people. And it's really fucked up that we're just like, acting like this is normal because it is kind of normal in this country. But the problem is, is it shouldn't be, Yeah, <laughs> you know, this like, should be a should be nightmare something. scenario that everyone wants to wake up from. Not like, Oh, okay. A thing I deal with. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to, you know, we already have like the permits in place. So the cops can't legally fuck with us, but obviously they'll probably fuck with us for helping houseless people. But we're going to be like doing like a soup kitchen stuff at like a public park. Uh, with like a grill and just giving away food. Um, like uh, we have a couple Venmo's cash apps and PayPal's that you can send stuff to. Um, if you go to at Chunkaluta 1973 on Twitter, there's a nice little infographic. Otherwise it's, you know, the standard at Zicato on Venmo at Zicato's tin can on cash app. And then also you can send it to at SideshowGuy07 on Cash App or Cash Sign. Sorry, it's Cash Sign, not at sign. Or PayPal at Isaac Jasper or Venmo at Jasper Steinling. We're going to get together GoFundMe again for international mm-hmm. donations. Uh, there's also the PayPal for that as well. Um, I, I don't know. like Or I think we were saying something about the PayPal has a fundraising 
feature that's better than GoFundMe's, but I don't know. I'm done with this stuff. So I just know how to like manipulate social media to get donations. Apparently I don't know, <laughs> but please help us do that. <laughs> you know, this is, this is how I do it is I have platforms that let me advertise this shit. Um, but it's, you know, worthwhile cause and, um, you know, it's going to bring a communist presentation to a very, very hard hit area when it comes to the contradictions of colonialism and capitalism. So it's, you know, uh, primo stuff that you'll be helping out. Not to mention, you know, one as time goes on, you'll hear more details as it becomes not a security risk. Fantastic. Well, on the Mark's Madness side of things, there are a number of different ways that you can reach out to us. First of which is through email. Our email address is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Next up, you can hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at marksmadnesspod. Uh, DMs are open if you need them. And linked in our bio on our Twitter account is the link to our Discord server. And that is where Nathan spends most of his days uh, talking, chatting, just kind of existing with uh the the fine comrades that live in there um and hang out and like to kind of update what's going on just just nice communication kind of vent about world events things of that nature uh just have a a supportive group of people kind of around to learn from and kind of grow with there is a book club going on but i believe they are on hiatus right now um but they will be they will be returning with a vengeance um and they've done a number of supplemental works to that that are not covered on the show so they are a great second you know you want even more content there's there's a way to go get some um but that being said david it is time for david's corner where i just give david a couple minutes to talk about whatever david wants to talk about i got branding that's neat uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh also hold sure. on can i just there's going to be a Gerald Horn response on Upstream. Yes. Oh, and shit. My questions will be asked. So yeah, and, and the one thing I was going to say on, on actually that front, too, and so maybe maybe we'll go there, because the only other way I could go is is we've talked a lot about dystopia, and I don't – this this land has been a dystopia. Let's not end on a bad yeah. note. Okay, this is still yeah, no, it's, this way has been a dystopia for for hundreds note. of years, and it's just expanding that demos, and and you get the 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 you know as much as Niemöller's poem is disabused by liberals for the the wrong things so fucking much, um, you know it very much is you know you, you've got the the first they came for indigenous people, and then first they came for, or and the next they came for enslaved Africans, and then you know on down the line right, and then they came for me, and and it's gonna if you're not in the dystopian side of the dystopia, it will get there and the time to act is now. Um, but one thing I, I just wanted to mention is a lot of the stuff around because Gerald Horn is, is a brilliant, um, brilliant historian uh, and, and would guide anyone to their works, to his works. And people, you know, are, are ragging on him with some false idea of American exceptionalism. So let's be very clear of what American exceptionalism is. The main thing it is, the number one thing it is, is not some, you know, socialist definition of it. It is the liberal definition of American exceptional that is the shining beacon on the hill, that there is something special that started in this country and that the Declaration of Independence and the, the ideas of freedom and liberty and the pursuit of happiness puts America on a pedestal to be the guiding light for the world. And no matter what happened, like, you know, everything that America did, 
must be right because it's it's the great guide, right? And and everything is is learning from and you can't crush the example. And so anytime you uphold America and the ideas of the the founding fathers and any of that mythos, you're upholding American exceptionalism. You're not opposing it, you're upholding it. Secondly, American exceptionalism from from a Marxist perspective would be a break from using the material conditions as your guide for America, okay? Everywhere has and instead pushing ideological mm-hmm. dogmatism mm-hmm. based on book worship. Yes, um, because everywhere, everywhere has different material conditions. So you can look to revolutions as examples, but you also have to understand in the context of that land's history and the people that did that revolution, right? And we're going to have our own material conditions. Realizing we have our own material conditions is not American exceptionalism. That's Marxism. That's the materialism. American exceptionalism is an idealist issue. Right. And so breaking from the materialism to avoid American exceptionalism is just running right into it. Okay. America is not the exception. America is not. The terms even coined in the debate in the common turn where white Americans were insisting they don't have to worry about self determination of nations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they basically the fought against. Going yeah, they were they, and they they were specifically talking uh, about a, a new Africa across the black belt or a black you know nation, but not just black nationalism, indigenous land back. Right, it's the same thing. America is not the exception to um, the national question. It's not the exception to materialism. It's not the exception to having material conditions. That is the American exceptionalism. America has the same the same being subject to material conditions as everywhere else. And those material conditions are founded upon colonialism, slavery, white supremacy, expansionism, and capitalism. And all of those are intertwined and have to go together. This has been David's Corner. David's Corner. I'll come up with catchy outro music later, but for now, I want a graphic. David's Corner. That, that would be great. <laughs> A graphic for the audio-only podcast. Exactly. You need, well, you first off, y'all need to get on YouTube. Everybody's complaining about it. Secondly, they'll they'll deal with it. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll convert you if you let me. <laughs> so uh, that's a later conversation. But <laughs> well, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod for the week. Uh, we will continue reading actual books next week as is our want to do sometimes. Uh, But for now, we will talk to you all next week. My name has been Nathan. My name has been and still is David. I hate you. My name was once Nathan David, but it's also Shimani too. I've been everybody on this. (sighs) We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.